Well, the day started out one way. I couldn't be more excited. I mean, it's it's my first draft sitting in this seat. And to have these three gentlemen up here is, is truly special for me. And then it ended in another with John Collins on his way to Utah to join the Jazz. Welcome to the Hawks Report, a podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Lauren Williams, the Hawks beat reporter here at the AJC. And of course, the day started out with us, you know, heading to the practice facility to get to know the new rookies that the Hawks drafted at last Thursday's NBA draft. And then, of course, it ended up being the big news. John Collins has been traded to the Utah Jazz in exchange for Rudy Gay. So, of course, here at the Hawks Report, we have to talk about this. John Collins was the longest tenured Hawk, so we have to give him his flowers, but also talk about what that trade means for the Hawks moving forward. We'll have Michael Cunningham to join us on the Hawks Report today to talk about that. But if you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Like I mentioned to you guys, we have Michael Cunningham on hand to talk with us about the big news of today, which is... John Collins was traded to the Utah Jazz. John Collins, up until this point, was the longest tenured Hawk, but no more. Michael Cunningham, welcome to the show. John Collins has been traded. He has. And you saying he's the longest tenured Hawk makes me feel old because I covered him as a rookie. But I guess it really hasn't been that long. But yeah, obviously they've been trying to train for a while and now he's gone. Yes, indeed. He is gone. And I think we have been talking about this for, you know, quite a few months on the show about how much his salary kind of impacts this team and, and how, you know, him being traded at that point where it was all hypotheticals, you know, talking about how it would free up some space in the cap, um, take the Hawks away from the luxury tax and just give them a few more flexible flexibility as far as, you know, bringing in new free agents, extending players on the roster currently. And now they actually have it. So, you know, they sent away, what, $78 million over the next three years. And and now they, this upcoming season, have an extra, what, $25, $23 million in the cap space. Just did you ever expect that the Hawks would be able to actually get a deal done at this point? 
I mean, it was always a possibility. It seems like if you look at the timeline of things, the Hawks had a different opinion of the value of John Collins and a lot of other teams. Otherwise, he'd have been gone before then. And then eventually they just realized we have to get rid of whoever will take the salary. It doesn't really matter what we, we uh, get back. And you can see it from the perspective because John Collins is, you know, a good NBA player, especially was in the right role. So they kind of held out. But mm-hmm. it's gotten to the point where almost at July 1st, a new year, new league year, and they need flexibility to be able to sign anybody. So that meant somebody had to go and ended up being Collins for Rudy mm-hmm. Gay, who may or may not even actually play for the team. But it, this is obviously all about shedding the salary. Yeah, it's, you know, whatever the Hawks, you know, want us to know publicly that this, you know, they're they're not afraid to go into the luxury tax. I think Landry Fields has been talking about that for a few days now since the draft. And, you know, there's that rumor that the Hawks have a luxury, staying under the luxury tax mandate and, and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, my sources have denied that that's not true. But I've always said actions speak louder than words. But regardless of whether that's true or not, with the team that they had with Collins, Capella, DeAndre Hunter, Trey Young, Jante Murray, who, you know, becomes a free agent in 2024, plus the other members of the team who are due for extensions. It just didn't make sense to have the roster that they had and then go into the luxury tax, especially for a team that, as we've seen last season, was kind of average. So now they, they've shedded some salary. If they do decide to keep Rudy Gay, they have that veteran presence that they've you know been missing for, for the season. You know, I'm not saying that Rudy Gay is going to come in and be a contributor, like a, a huge contributor, but at least he'll be a voice and a respected voice for a lot of those younger players. So if the Hawks do keep Rudy Gay in, in, in the mix, just how much does he kind of add to the roster? Yeah, basketball-wise, I'm not sure how much he has left. But as you mentioned, there is the uh, leadership aspect of it, which I guess he could help. People like to talk about how uh, Trey hasn't had that since VC left, kind Mm -hmm. of the the guy who's been around who can kind of guide him and tell him, you know, what it takes to be you know a good player in this league for a long time. So from that aspect, maybe he can help him. Basketball-wise, it doesn't Mm -hmm. look like he really – fits in to get any playing time on this roster. But uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah. And, you know, by reports standards, you know, the Hawks don't need to make a decision regarding Rudy Gay, who was all rookie in 2006, 2007, which, you know, of course, (laughs) was what, 17, not 17. Yeah, 17 years ago-ish. And I don't mean disrespect to Rudy Gay at all to say that he hasn't had much left. I mean, I love those guys that played yeah. for a long time. It's not, it's obviously very hard to do. He's, you know, made himself valuable to a lot mm-hmm. of teams over over years. So, so, so much, much respect to him. I'm just saying on this Hawks roster, there's just not really a role for him. Yeah. I, you'd have to think that the, the role that John Collins kind of had will either be filled by Sadiq Bey or, or, or Jalen Johnson, just because one, they're much younger and they kind of fit the system that Quinn Snyder is trying to put in place. One that, you know, shooting is a premium for this team right now, especially for a team that kind of 
waded around or or wallowed around the bottom of the league in terms of attempts per game until Quinn Snyder came aboard and and kind of that shot up. But you know now they have guys that can shoot the ball in their rookies, but also you know again Sadiq Bay, especially if they they move him to the four, you now have four positions who can you know knock some shots down. And then if you factor in Onyeka Kongu when he's on the floor, that's now a fifth guy that can potentially stretch the floor. So. Just how much does this open up for the team options-wise as far as the rotation goes? Yeah, you could go with Bay, although I think you'd be pretty small with him at the four. And although I guess you do have Dre at, at the three. But front court-wise, you'd be pretty pretty small. Uh, I'd like to see Jalen get most of those minutes just because I think he gives you that uh, three-slash-four skills. Uh, mm-hmm. we saw, we've seen him put it on the floor and get to the hole. He's probably one of the more athletic guys on the rosters. He's long, mm-hmm. um, and he was a better passer than I thought he would be coming out. So I would like to see him absorb most of those minutes. Then you're kind of you're kind of a big team with him at that three slash yeah. four, and with Andre and with you know Capella. Uh, you're pretty. It's pretty good size across the front, as we even saw in the finals. Yeah. Uh, size still doesn't matter in the NBA. So. Yeah, there are. You're right. There are a couple of different ways they can go depending on what look they want. If they want mm-hmm. to be small, they want the shooting, they want the slashing of Jalen from the four. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, as we've talked about a lot, of Collins being there and, and the role they had him in just wasn't working anymore. So this 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 opens it up. Yeah, and and by all accounts, it from my conversations, you know, with some of the guys that are around that front office, it sounds like they're not necessarily closed off to doing more deals so we could see some other people on the move who those guys are I'm not sure but you know I have heard that this team does like DeAndre Hunter and the defense that he he provides especially when you think about you know what they went out for with these rookies they really want to improve on the defensive end so now with Collins kind of out of that role, you know, who steps up to be kind of that help side defender, especially when it comes to helping out Capella some. Yeah, I think that's something you got to take into account with Collins gone. I know, you know, a lot of fans wanted to gone. Probably John was ready to move on, but he's a pretty good defender, switchable, you know, pretty good feet, can challenge at the rim. And you're right, somebody else is going to have to do that from that position, uh, mm-hmm. can be. Jalen, because like I said, he's his three slash four. He could probably yeah. guard two through four, maybe even some five. So he gives you that defensive versatility. DeAndre's, in my opinion, his defense has been a little bit disappointing lately. He's not become kind of that stopper guy that you want. Uh, yeah. Doesn't move his feet well all the time. Even against the Celtics in that series, there were times where he was kind of lost defensively, which you can't say you're a defensive stopper and that happens. So he's definitely got to step it up. But obviously – the Hawks' defensive issues go beyond one or two yeah. guys. It's been happening for years. Uh, they need a total culture change, a total different outlook on defense. They got to want it. They mm-hmm. got to care about it all the time, or it's not going to happen. So, who do, who would you like them to bring in, especially now with the the flexibility that they have in the cap space? <laughs> If you could pinpoint a free agent that they could go out and and potentially sign, who would you? You know, if you're GM, who would you try to sign? Uh, I think position-wise, they probably 
going to need a backup one with Holiday leaving. That could be somewhere where you could get somebody who could help them defensively. You know, they're not going to get it one of the top guys uh, like a uh, D'Angelo Russell or Fred Van Fleet that's out there. But, you know, maybe a guy like uh, Kendrick Nunn who could come in and, and serve that role. You know, it's pretty good offensively, pretty good defensively. Well, the other thing is that's interesting. And I remember texting you about this the other day with the Collins trade. It does open up a little bit of possibility for them to maybe go out and compete for a guy like Bruce Brown, who made about six million, six point six million with the Nuggets last season. And of course, he'll be looking for a bigger role, but also more money. But, you know, as a backup guard, that's a pretty, pretty solid guy to bring aboard if you can afford it now. Yeah, and already their, their bench is pretty strong. That wasn't their, really their problem this year. You know, they're losing Holiday, but pretty much everybody else is coming back. So he'd be a good guy to add to give you some of that toughness and also give you some of that uh, veteran leadership, which, you know, we've talked a lot about what they need. Those are two things they need is defense and uh, veteran leadership. So he could provide both. That's a good name. Yeah. And again, that's, you know, if they can compete to and and can afford it, he's going to command a little bit of a higher salary now that he's a championship winner. So but as far as potential trades and, you know, who who could you see kind of, you know, still being on the chopping block if if they're not done making moves? I think Capella would be the obvious uh, kind of candidate just because he has some value and they have a guy who they probably think is, is ready to step in and Onyeka. Mm-hmm. So I think and he has a reasonable contract, Capella. Yeah. So he's definitely tradable to the teams that need a good, you know, bouncy rim protecting center, a lob guy. And we've talked about previously, you lose that. The Hawks would lose that if they got rid of him. Mm-hmm. But I think they gain a little bit more on Onyeka if he can, um, you know, knock those shots increase down. his range yeah. and knock those shots down, which he keeps telling us he's going to do. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, so Anyeka, of course, will be continuing to work on that this offseason. And, you know, we'll continue monitoring the moves that the Hawks make. Um, but we will take a quick break and then we'll get to answering some of your questions. This is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to take this time to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. You guys make all of this possible. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. 
That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com. Plus, you guys can get access to our e-paper and our assortment of newsletters like the Mike Check blog from our awesome columnist, Michael Cunningham. So you can join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. So Michael Cunningham, the Hawks, you know, of course, in addition to trading away John Collins, that era of this organization is now over, or at least it'll be over officially around July 6th. The Hawks have also drafted three new players. So we didn't get a chance to, you know, hear what your thoughts were on the draft after, you know, all of the decisions were were made or all of the selections were made. So when you look at this rookie class that they have, you, of course, can't expect them to come in and be contributors right away. And, you know, Landry Fields and, you know, the, the organization have essentially told us that it's this is a really a developmental year for this group. But what were your initial thoughts on them selecting Kobe Bufkin, trading to acquire Muhammad Gay, and then drafting Seth Lundy? Yeah, Bufkin... Sometimes I want to look at the depth chart and think that maybe he could get some time next year, yeah. especially in the second unit with with Bogey. If you're looking at him as kind of more of the the ball handling distributor, we know that Buff can, can play off the ball, uh, really improve his shot in his second year. But then you come back and you're like, probably not, yeah, because he's so young. He's nineteen. He turn, yeah, doesn't turn twenty until I think September. He's young. Uh, physically, you look at him and he's maturation. Yeah, he obviously needs to figure out how they. The NBA works. It's a faster, more physical league. Especially as uh, a guard. Much faster. Yeah. Especially as a guard. Yeah. You got to learn how to play a better team defense, mm-hmm. which if you watch a lot of college ball, there's not a lot of that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just a whole different level of the NBA. When you're just 19 coming into it, that's just asking a, a lot a lot for a guy to come in and be like the backup yeah. one or two. So probably not. He's not going to have a role this year. But, I mean, he's – I think he was – I know projections are kind of just different people's opinions, but mm-hmm. if he was projected to go a little bit higher in the draft, yeah. might have been a, a lottery pick. pick. Mm-hmm. He came down to them. They don't really need him to play this year. So from that standpoint, you understand that, you know, he's kind of a guy that they're going to try to develop. And uh, he's got the tools to be a good NBA player. Now we'll see uh, if he can do it. And the fact that they didn't have to really give anything up to get a, a kid with as much upside as he has. I mean, what what does that say about just how much depth that this year's draft class had? Yeah, it was a deep group. I think the Hawks were trying to move up with the John Collins. Yeah. That was another time where they figured out his value is not what they seem to think it was in the league. And I think after that happened, they said, okay, we're going to double him. But yeah, uh, a deep draft. You like getting a guy like him at 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to John Collins. He was a nine, number 19 pick. Yeah. As I mentioned, as I mentioned, I covered him as a rookie, and he was one of those guys where immediately you're like, okay, he belongs in this league. Yeah. And that doesn't happen a lot with 19 picks. Like right. two weeks, I was like, all right, maybe he's not going to be a great NBA player or a star, but he has a role in this league. So uh, who knows? Maybe Kobe Buff can do that too. He got drafted higher. 
just looking at the roster right now, there's not a lot of opportunity for him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we don't know how. We also have a new coach, Quinn Snyder. We don't know how. Yeah, he came in in such a weird situation that, you know, maybe with the offseason with these young guys, he decides, you know, you and you are going to be guys that I give an opportunity. So maybe Buffkin ends up being one of those guys. For sure. And, you know, we'll get a chance to see just kind of how he plays in an NBA type system when, you know, he and the rest of these rookies go to summer league next month, which is so weird to say. It's actually like closer to next week (laughs) than next month, really. But I just I think it's it's hard not to feel excited, I guess, about the upside that these three guys have, especially when you hear how Landry feels and the rest of the front office talks about their excitement for seeing how these guys develop. So here's what Landry Field had to say about, you know, these three draft picks that he has. The process has been great. And really the reason that these three gentlemen are sitting up here is because it starts years ago. You know, scouting these guys, the camaraderie that we've had in the front office to really band together, unify, and make sure that we have a sound process has been very important for us. And for us, it's sort of nerdy to say, but it's sort of like a Venn diagram as we're taking the external and the internal and trying to find what is happening there in the middle. And with these guys, like they meet all of that from a Hawks DNA standpoint and what it means to be a Hawk, the internal drive that every one of these guys have, you know, the work that they put in, the intelligence, the IQ, the grit, all those things are very important for what we're doing and what we're building here with Quinn. Michael Cunningham, just as far as just like the other two rookies that these, this team selected, you know, again, Muhammad Gay and Seth Lundy. With Gay, he hasn't been playing that long. Just how scary is it that the Hawks kind of took a little bit of a flyer on a guy who hasn't been playing a ton of organized basketball for as long as maybe some of the other players in that draft class had been? Yeah, in those situations, I kind of defer to the scouts who watch <laughs> these guys all the times and do all the homework. No, seriously. Yeah. I mean, once you get down to the second round, it's like, it's a bunch of maybes. Everybody yeah. knows that. But yeah, that's a that's an unusual situation for a guy who hasn't played much organized ball. It's always funny when you say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> organized ball. Where's it? This dude's just been out balling at the park, killing guys out there. But that's a little bit something different when right. the, uh, an organized ball, more competition. But yeah, that's, that's the... You know, the, the situations where you take a flyer in the second round, uh, we've seen how teams trade these second round picks like crazy now. It seems like, to me anyway, it seems like they've kind of been devalued. There mm-hmm. became a time where there was more value on back in the old days when I covered <laughs> the NBA. Uh, most second round picks just got cut. Yeah. They didn't usually get guaranteed deals. Then it became a time where they all got guaranteed deals pretty much. And now it seems, you know, and teams were holding on to those picks. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like they've gone back to, we'll just toss them just around, trade them among yeah. each other all the time. Like, we'll just throw them in. But yeah, if you're going to take a chance, you do it at that spot. So uh, I'll defer to the Hawks and their uh, basketball people. Yeah. It's thinking that th- this guy has some potential, even though he hasn't played much ball, organized ball. For sure. And I think one of the biggest things that, I've learned over these last couple of days is just how they envision he'll play. So funnily enough, he's 6'11", has about what, like a 7'3", 7'4", wingspan. So you think with that size that the Hawks would kind of want to, you know, lean him toward playing the five or, or, or something like that where they need that size. But no, they actually want him to be a wing. And I was actually kind of like, 
oh, really? And so it was funny because uh, they were like, he's not allowed to play the five in this developmental year that, you know, he's going to have or, or two years or however long he he's going to do that. And Gay is just really excited about that. He doesn't want to be a five. He wants to be a wing. And so one thing that I've learned, too, is that the Hawks have just been very, very excited about just the raw talent that he has and and the ability that he has to move very fluidly. You know, they say that he has really good shot mechanics. So now it's just kind of getting more consistency with that and, and developing that so he can knock those shots down. So when you hear that they're looking at him as, as playing more of a wing as opposed to a five, you know, what, how, how do you, <laughs> does that give you a little bit of pause or, or how do you feel about hearing that? I love it. <laughs> like I said, that's yeah. where you try these things, right? Yeah. They have they have a vision for him that maybe a lot of other people didn't, and they value him more maybe than other teams did mm-hmm. in there. Let's get him. Yeah. Let's try developing that. I mean, obviously, if a guy like that, he's a pretty athletic guy, too. Yeah. If a guy like that, with that size and that athleticism, could become a, a wing or, you know, a 3-4 mm-hmm. slash, that's very valuable. And as a second-round pick, it's a very cheap contract. Yeah. So, yeah, why not give it a shot? If it doesn't work, uh, you try it. Yeah, I mean, he they they like how he moves his feet. They like his shot mechanics. So if you can develop him into a 3 and D guy that has kind of eluded this team <laughs> since they've been trying to... I just... How many wings have they tried drafting over these last, like, five or so years that just <laughs> haven't really panned out? So maybe the one that they take in the second round will be the one that actually sticks. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously, he's he's got some talent. Mm-hmm. So, they're, like you said, raw talent. Let's, I'll see what they can do with it. That, that, that's, I like it because it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> He's a project. They have a vision. They have a plan. Let's see it. That's good. And then they, of course, drafted Seth Lundy with the 46th pick. Not, you know, it's not like there's not a lot that you know about him. We do know that, you know, he and Kobe Bufkin squared off quite a few times in the Big Ten. And they actually had a joke about it at today's introductory press conference so here's them talking about it playing against Seth you know um I don't like to talk about it too much but when we played Penn State at at their crib it wasn't too pretty for Michigan um you know we he's shown on full display what he can do defensively and then off, also on the offensive end um the three-point shot the versatility getting to the rim so um it was definitely a a, a staple on our scouting report so I'm, I'm excited to play with him for sure yeah, I mean, you know, playing with Kobe and just the Big Ten in general, uh, the physicality that the uh, conference brings, and um, I feel like, you know, the the pace also that they played that translates to the NBA. So playing against him was um, obviously he was one of the main guys uh, on the scouting report. Um, he brings a lot to the table with his with his uh, versatility, the different ways he can score, um, coming off pick and rolls, but also, you know, getting to creating his own shot. So, uh, I mean... You know, playing against him wasn't fun as well either, but, you know, looking forward to playing with him now, so. We beat them at Michigan, too. Just want to clarify that. (laughs) Yeah, we we split 1-1. I think it's really fun when you have players who kind of went up against each other and opposed each other in college, and then now they're teammates in, in the pros. So, just... 
how excited are you kind of to see them kind of use that competitive edge or competitive spirit that they may have had with each other in college and now, you know, try to take advantage of it in, in training camp? Yeah, whatever works. <laughs> Got a little personal beef. That's all right. Yeah. No, it seems like it's more like friendly banner than any kind of beef. But yeah, I think, you know, doing this together can help. They can help each other that way. They're yeah. going kind of through the same experience. That's one reason I like summer league. Mm-hmm. You get these guys out there and they, you know, better comp than they have faced in college already. And yeah. that's still even a level below what they'll face if they get to court in, in the fall in the real league. So, yeah, whatever little edge they can use, if it's you got me in college mm-hmm. and then I'm going to get you and then that back and forth, that's good. The competitive spirit is always good. And again, like Michael Cunningham said, we're of course going to see them in summer league, which we're all very excited to see. But we've got some questions to answer. All right. So we've got our handy dandy trusty producer, Daniel Salerson in the building slash not really the building. Daniel, you got some questions for us? I'm in the virtual building, Lauren. (laughs) And yes, I do have a few questions for, for you both here as Everyone's kind of trying to figure out um, the trade and the trade exception. I think we're all trying to figure out the money situation and why this deal happened. So we'll start with at ice underscore tray with one being the I in ice tray. Do you expect the Hawks to use the trade exception soon or hold off until the trade deadline? Remember, you can you have one year to use the trade exception. Is the expectation the Hawks will start Bay or Jalen? And also that could be depending on if they move Clint. And another question, will another front court member get moved? So that's all from the same question. So Lauren, I'll start with you. And then Michael, you can take it after Lauren. Yeah, I, I think the big thing is that right now they're just kind of basking in the flexibility that this John Collins trade has kind of afforded them. There's just there are a lot of dates that come into play with this. Uh, they have at least until July 6th to make a decision on on Rudy. The trade becomes official, I believe, around then. So I think time will tell of, of if whether they wave him, wave and stretch him or they decide to keep him. What about you, Michael? What do you think another front core member gets moved? Yes, I think Clint Capella eventually get moved because as mm-hmm. we talked about, um, he's probably got the most value. He's got a good contract. And just like with the Collins trade, they're trying to clear space for next year so they can extend the guys that they want to extend. So I would say Clint Capella is the most likely next candidate to be traded. All right, let's go to another question at ATL Ian Sports Fan or Atlantean Sports Fan. I don't know how to pronounce that. Can a tax exception or the trade exception be broken up and used more than once? So that $25 million trade exception that they get for John, can you split that up into multiple trades or does it have to be done in one single trade, Lauren? See, this is this is the thing with this, the, the salary cap and CBA and and all of that starts to get a little bit confusing but I think that they can bring in as many contracts or as many players that that you know up until that 25 point whatever million dollars so it's not so much that it's being broken up as I think that that just gives them the space to take aboard those contracts does that sound right Michael Cunningham I believe there are two different types of trade exceptions, um, whether you a simultaneous or non-simultaneous. If you send out a player 
one or more players in a simultaneous trade, you can get more than you get back. But if you do it non-simultaneously, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, only one player can be dealt, and it has to be a salary match. So if you use, if you make do it at once, you can get more salary than you get than you get back more salary than you give up. But if you do it, don't do it all at once. Then it's limited to that salary to uh, th that salary plus one hundred thousand. If that makes and then sense. with the new CBA. I think there is a little, I think it increases a little bit. The numbers are still, I think, haven't been publicized yet, but I've seen maybe around 250K is what that allowance will increase to. All right. So that's good stuff from both of you. Thank you very much for that. And the last question from at Hawks underscore China. I'm confused by if ownership is willing to go into the tax or maybe they are just not willing to go into the tax for Herder or Collins because Landry Field said the other day that he was given permission to go over the tax. Um, but obviously this move puts them under. Lauren and Michael, do you have any idea of kind of what direction they are going in since they did have to do this with Herder and also John Collins? Yeah, I think the optics looks like they are dodging the luxury tax. And again, if you know they're denying that there's a mandate about the luxury tax, I'll just I'll take them at face value, even though I'm skeptical. <laughs> but I I just kind of go back to it doesn't make sense to go into the luxury tax if you're gonna be or pay the luxury tax, excuse me, if you're gonna be an average or you know, an average team. If you're consistently going to be a first round exit playoff team, it does not make sense to spend that kind of money if you're not going to have the flexibility or the space to get better. So um, I think that this roster, unfortunately, is what it was with Collins in it. And now that they've moved on from it, they can, you know, have the flexibility to go out and compete in free agency or take on trades that allow them to get better. I think um, Tony Ressler, like all NBA owners, all sports owners, when he talks about this, there's always kind of a yeah. caveat. I think you could truthfully say that they're, they're, they can, might be telling the truth when they say that there's no mandate not to go over the luxury tax line. It's just we're not going to do it if we're not yeah. a contender. <laughs> That's always kind of the I think he's actually said that kind of a couple times, but usually that's kind of an unsaid caveat. So they can say there's no mandate. If you come and say we can get LeBron, we'll pay the damn right. tax. <laughs> if we can get KD, we'll pay the tax. But we're not going to do it for these guys who we let go to stay under the tax. And, you know, and I say this as somebody who thinks, I mean, Tony Rester's making pretty mu plenty of money with the Hawks. Some of it's subsidized by taxpayers. <laughs> so my thought is he should spend whatever it takes to put the best – talent the best product yeah. on the floor but it's not my money he's not gonna spend if he doesn't want to have to so in fairness to him i think that's a reasonable outlook for him to take that i'm not going to go into a tax or a team that's going to lose in the first round but if you come to me with a deal that's going to put us mm -hmm. over the top you know maybe i'll pay the tax but it better work landry fields or <laughs> you won't be my gm right. for long all right. Well, good stuff. I appreciate the questions. For those that tweeted, you can tweet at Lauren, at Williams, Lauren L. And Michael, what is your Twitter account for those that want to follow you or maybe ask you a question down the line when you hop back on the podcast? M. Cunningham, AJC. All right. There we go. So good stuff there for the Ask Lauren and Michael segment. Lauren, I'll send it back to you. Yeah, I, I think that I'm just 
going to be continually excited to see what direction the Hawks go in now. I think we've been saying it for a while now that they have to trade somebody. <laughs> and, unfor- you know, unfortunately, John Collins was constantly the name that was in the rumor mill for that. And now they have a lot of flexibility. They have flexibility to pay rookies. They've got flexibility to compete in free agency and, and you know, hopefully woo a free agent that can help advance this roster in a way that they've kind of been stuck in limbo for the past couple of seasons. And maybe they're not done. (laughs) Michael, do you have any final thoughts? Let's hope they're not done. (laughs) We were bored of the draft. Like, come on, make a move. We talked about wanting Uh, chaos. This is a move. We we wanted (laughs) chaos. (laughs) This is a move move that opens up other possibilities to make Mm -hmm. other moves, which if you're in the position, that's what you want. It's just they pretty much had you know, to take the sunk costs on John Collins' contract. Like, you know, it ended up not being a good deal for them. But he's going to Utah where it looks like he's probably would be the mm-hmm. starting four. He's got a good young center next to him in Kessler. So I hope it works out for John. He's a he's a good NBA player. He's a good professional. Um, and he, you know, maybe he didn't meet the expectations with the Hawks, but you can't say he didn't yeah. try. Uh, he was, he was a, he's a good pro. He definitely was. And, you know, from all of my interactions with him he is a great guy and you know we wish him all the best in Utah or wherever he ends up but I think you know he's going to be in a position where he can really carve out a role for himself and unfortunately for the you know for his time here in the Hawks it just didn't seem like they had a clear idea of how they wanted to use him and now he's in a system that potentially can it's a fresh start for him and It'll be a fresh start for the Hawks moving forward. But we here at the AJC, we're going to continue keeping an eye on it, watching it, and we'll see which direction the Hawks go. Thank you guys for joining us. And this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.